Welcome to the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the nationally recognized preferred provider for asset protection and tax planning in the nation. This show is for real estate investors looking to protect their assets, save on taxes, and build their wealth with Clint Coons. Clint is an attorney, author, avid real estate investor, and featured instructor at Anderson's tax and asset protection events held throughout the country. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, In this episode, what I want to talk about is investing outside of your local area. You know, you've heard me talk about real estate investing and have over 250 properties. And I get questions all the time, you know, in the comments on the videos, they ask me, Clint, how did you get started in a different state? We're struggling trying to figure out how to find properties outside the area in which I live. And I get it. That is a challenge. And and it's really hard for many investors to, to figure that piece out. Well, there's someone that I've been following for quite some time now, watching them grow this company and what they can do for real estate investors. And I finally, I was able to secure them, get them to come on here and share with you how you can start investing in real estate, not in your local area, but in those markets where you're getting higher cap rates and you're being able to get into properties as well without having to shell out three, four, or $700,000. And as you, as you know, you know I, I talk about it as a numbers game, You know, trying to build up a, a sizable real estate portfolio, having multiple properties for multiple streams of cash flow coming in over time. And the best person to explain that I have found is Gary Beasley. He is not only the co-founder, but he's also the CEO of Roostock.com. Gary, thanks for coming on. Great to see you, Clint. Hey, you know what? You've got such an impressive background, you know, the tech side. Could maybe share some of that with people so they understand, you know, how Roofstock came about, where you've come from to to create this. Sure. So I've spent most of my career, I would say, at the intersection of real estate and technology. I did traditional real estate early in my career. Um, did uh, spent a fair amount of time in the hospitality industry. Did resort investing, and then ran a boutique hotel company for a while. And then my first foray into really a tech-oriented model was was a company called Zip Realty that was the really amongst the first to put real estate listings online, complete MLS online, back in the early 2000s. And um, I was CFO of that business. We took it public in 2004, and ended up having about 2,000 agents on our that were employees of the company initially, um, being out there providing uh, service to real estate buyers, not investors. These were Mm -hmm. typically people buying just to live in the homes. But I saw the power of using the internet to distribute information, make agents more efficient. So that was kind of my first residential-driven model. A little bit later in my career, sort of most recently, got involved about a decade ago buying houses during the down the, the, the great financial crisis. So really started buying homes homes in about 2009. 2010 with some partners, we ended up building a, a, a pretty decent business around it. So we turned it from just an investment opportunity in cheap houses with yield into an actual enterprise. And we actually took that public as a REIT, as a real estate investment trust back in 2014. And so that was called Starwood Waypoint Residential Trust. It's now part of Invitation Homes, which is the largest single family rental platform that's public. They currently own about 84,000 homes. And so my old company is part of that that company. So so my background has really been um, as an entrepreneur in real estate, looking for ways to apply technology and new business processes to interesting real estate opportunities. I, I sort of like to look for macro trends 
and work on building companies that could take advantage of that. And so really the last decade or so, I've really been focused on the single family rental asset class, which up until a decade ago was entirely mom and pop driven. Folks like you and I just buying homes individually over the last decade, there was now about 2% of the market, maybe two and a half that's owned by the big institutional investors, call it 400,000 homes out of the 20 million rental homes that are out there. So it's still very much owned and controlled by individual investors, but historically it's been very hard, as you point out correctly, Clint, to invest where you don't live. And and really the genesis of Roofstock with my co-founders and I um, really got the idea that we should help unlock this asset class for investors, break down the geographic barriers, set it up so you could buy homes with tenants already in place rather than having to buy vacant homes off the MLS and create a, a marketplace that allows for that to happen very efficiently. And importantly, we cater to both large institutional clients who are selling hundreds or thousands of homes at a time down to individuals, a lot of individuals who are looking to buy or sell a single home or even a share of a home, which we could talk about. We're trying to really make the asset class accessible. And so for me personally, starting Roofstock was a it was a life goal really to start a company from scratch. I joined a, a number of companies early, had never been a founder per se. And so we we founded Roofstock in 2015. And it's been a you know a great professional and personal experience and very satisfying because it happens to be in an industry I have a real passion for. So I've been through your site and I mean when I started looking I was like wow there's so much information here for a real estate investor. If you're trying to find property outside of your geographical location, I mean, this would be the go-to just because of the amount of information you provide. Where I saw in there, you have cap rates, you have what it would rent for if you wanted to do that type of analyzer. You have all these tools that you build into it that makes it phenomenal. But at its bare essence, how would you describe it for a real estate investor? Why would they want to come to roofstock.com? What are they going to get out of it? The simplest way I would describe it, it's almost like an Amazon for houses, right? You could come onto our site and shop for houses, almost like you're, you're shopping for shoes. <laughs> it's not quite that simple, but you can put in your search criteria and see homes, not just in a particular market, but homes all over the country that meet the parameters that you're looking for. And so what we try to do is using our digital infrastructure and our, our field operations, make it very easy for investors not just to buy homes in an hour's drive around where they live, which is what's typical. So people can sort of feel like they know the market and sort of oversee the, the management. We we break down those barriers and allow you to see properties all over the country. And we have a bunch of research you can see uh, about markets and, and really allow you to have almost the, the country as your oyster as opposed to just where you live. And, and so our technology and our relationships around the country enable that. And I think allow people to then become much more diversified in their exposure and really rely on a lot of the third-party infrastructure that we can provide to execute. Okay. So when I first jumped on your site, the, the thing that came to mind when I was looking at it was, well, what's the difference between this and Redfin or, or Zillow um, when it comes yep. to research and property? So uh, think about those sites generally as content provided. Zillow in particular, you go there and it's content. And I think when you think about sort of online real estate, sort of 1.0 is about content. Real estate 2.0 is more about commerce. And so 
what we are is really, I like to describe us as sort of a fintech enabled marketplace. So all the kind of products and services around the transaction we can provide in an integrated fashion. So we're a soup to nuts platform that you could actually transact transact on digitally. When you go to Zillow, you see a lot of good information, but then you just get connected to a real estate agent. And if you're interested in a bunch of different houses, you're having to call a bunch of different real estate agents. They happen, and especially if you're looking at properties where you don't live, you don't have all of that information that you have on roof stock. So, so that's how I would describe the difference is we are real estate investors at our core. We know what real estate investors need to see to transact because we bought thousands of homes ourselves through our prior platforms. And we simply you know, created a product that we think would, would be really useful for investors. And understanding it's, it's really about what kind of returns are you going to generate over time and what kind of risks are you willing to take? And what a lot of platforms, I, I think, where they stop short is providing enough data and information so investors can really understand the risk reward of different investments. And we have a neighborhood scoring algorithm, for example, that, yeah. that rates neighborhoods one to five stars. We, and and that, that takes into account about a dozen variables and we're, you know, those get updated over time. And so how can we try to make that remote investor feel as local as possible? Because it's it while it's a digital transaction, a lot of the data that that we generate and, and make available to people is gathered locally. So it, it is in that sense a bit hybrid because you can't just make this a it's not a purely kind of financial product. You know, there's a tangible asset. And you really have to understand kind of what's going on in the local market. And so we try to really ingest as much of that local data as we can and and also partner with local people in the field to make sure. We're, we're creating kind of a, almost a local experience, but in a remote way. Yeah, because that's always the, you know, the fear, I think, for people investing out of state is that they're going to end up buying a property. It's going to be in the hood and they got to collect rent with a shotgun, assuming they're even going to get paid. And not knowing is, I think, is what holds a lot of investors back. And, and you guys have done a tremendous job when I was going through the site, looking at the amount of information you provide. So that yep. people say, hey, you like you said, the neighborhood or the schools, what that what they're like in that area, and whether or not the people are employed, how many of them are uh, homeowners versus renters. Yeah, I mean, the data that you should be analyzing, you don't know where to find it. You guys have put it aggregated it all together. But here's something though that that struck me, and I hope you can answer. I mean, I know you can answer it. Where are you getting these properties from? The majority of our properties, uh, people come to us organically. So we do. Um, we do some online customer acquisition so we could reach out to folks. We do a fair amount of PR and we have a, a you know, a, a lot of educational content where people come to learn about Roofstock. And it's not just a place where you come to buy properties, but also a place you could sell your properties. And so one of the fundamental value props of Roofstock as we were thinking about launching it was, yeah, it's great to buy a home with a tenant in place, but it's even better to be able to sell one with a tenant in place. Because to sell it today, old school, if you have a rental home, you have to wait for the lease to expire. You fix it up a little bit to put it on the MLS. You pay a broker five to six points, and it takes you a few months to close the transaction you know, between the time you vacate it and find a buyer and sell it. And when you add up all those costs, including the carrying costs while you're getting zero rent, it's about 10 to 12%. Mm-hmm. So the alternative is with Roofstock, if you have a rental home with a tenant in it, you can come to us, we can 
certify and list the home on our site. We we talk, charge you know typically two and a half percent to sell the home, two and a half to three percent, and that's it. And you sell the home with the tenant in place. There's no downtime. Investors are coming to our site, want to buy it with a tenant in place, so you don't have that additional capex or downtime. And and then investors oftentimes can close faster than homeowners. We have cash buyers on our site. We have people who need financing sometimes. But clearly, when you look at all of that from a disruption standpoint, it's a lot easier to sell through us. It's not only cheaper, it might be a lot lower cost, but it's also easier. Okay. So when I was looking at the site and I was going through a lot of the properties and, and, and you provided the data on the tenant and the income and how long they've been there, how do we know that that is solid? I mean, what are you guys doing to, to verify it? If I'm a seller and I'm throwing a property up and said, yeah, I've got a tenant, I'm collecting 1200 bucks a month. I mean, I can tell you anything. Yeah, we, we verify uh, the rent ledger. So we, we have a whole process. So when we look at the tenant payment history, we'll actually make sure that, that we want to see the bank statements or if it's a, if it's a property manager and a, a lot of these homes are already professionally property managed, it's very easy that data is in the system and we can see it. So we're not just taking the word of the, of the seller. That's part of the advantage of our platform. We view this as, you know, we're, we're diligencing this property as if we were buying it and we just expose all that information for everyone to see. And it's important, right? And if if some if a seller were to do that, they would, you know, and they were to misrepresent something, they would be banned from our site, and we would go and, and make sure we're making things right for the for the buyer, right? So so we actually have a kind of a different approach than than many marketplaces. We have a thirty day money back guarantee on our site for retail buyers. So if you buy a home on Roofstock, and somehow you're unhappy. I, you know, something just doesn't seem right, or I, I just have cold feet. You can actually come to us and say, you know what, I, I made a mistake. I, I want to get out of this. And so what we'll do is we'll resell the home for free. And um, if we have to sell it for less, we'll make you whole on that. We'll, we'll, we'll cover the difference. Now, doesn't happen very often, but occasionally things will happen and, and, and we'll do that. But we realized when we were starting Roofstock, no one had ever created a marketplace where you're buying $100,000 items or $200,000, $300,000 items sight unseen. So some good advice that I, I heard from one of our early investors, Mark Benioff, who founded Salesforce. He talked a lot in the early days about building trust. If you're going to build a, you know, a marketplace, you have to build trust. And so, okay, well, how do you build trust? It's a little bit like when you buy an airline ticket and you know you could return it, and for you know, or things mm-hmm. like that. So we do the same thing with our, our marketplace for houses, because you're not going to be able to fly and see it, and inspect it. So we wanted to create this feeling of trust, and um, and it made us. It also held our feet to the fire. So hey, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. We want to make sure that what we're presenting on the site is solid. Okay. So if I jump, when I'm looking on the site and I find an area that I want to invest in and I, and I see there's a number of properties there, and let's say the property is listed at 78500 is that negotiable? Do I get to, do I get contact with the seller and I can make an offer as, you know, hey, I'll yeah. give you a 72 for it or 65, something like yeah. that? Yeah. So, so when we first started the site, it, we didn't allow that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a buy it now price. Because the thinking was we wanted to be more like 
a marketplace where you could see see what you what is there and and remove the need to negotiate. And then we were working with sellers to try to list it at a price that they were happy selling. What we realized was that wasn't working as well because real estate investors typically like to negotiate a little bit, as yeah. you know. So we did two things. We introduced an open house concept for, for the first 72 hours. A seller can do price discovery. Say, my tentative list price is $150,000. During that time, you could go in and you could either bid that amount, you could bid more, or you could bid less. The seller sees that information and based on that, may actually hit one of the bids or may adjust their listing price based on what the market's telling them it's worth. After that 72 hours, the seller decides what they want, whether they want to accept an offer or list it at mm-hmm. their suggested price or higher or lower, hits the market. Let's say I was trying to list it for 150 and I got a bunch of bids that were lower. I might list it for 145. Then you can go in as a buyer and immediately buy it at 145 because that's that's a buy it now price. Or you could say, I'll offer you 138. And then you can go back and forth with the with the uh, owner and negotiate through the platform. So so it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. There, there's an opportunity to buy it now at a price. And, and all the returns that are on the site are based on that price, plus all the other expenses that are involved in the closing and all that kind of stuff. And what you could do is you could type in different amounts or move the slider and see how you re- how much your returns change. And, and a lot of people are trying to get to a certain yield or a certain mm-hmm. IRR. And they'll say, okay, based on this, I can offer this amount. And then they will make the offer. So we try to you know make it such that it's quite interactive. And most people do end up uh, offering a little bit below listing price. It ends up being, it's usually in the two to 3% below the listing price where things tend to trade on the marketplace. But sometimes in competitive markets, homes will hit the market and they'll trade exactly at their offer price because people have been monitoring this and it works at that number. And because there's such little inventory, sometimes they'll trade you know, right away. So with those homes, uh, you can buy the single families, like you said, or, or one-off home properties. But one of the things I realized when we started, when I first started investing outside of the state of Washington is I'd pick up these onesies, twosies here and there, and it didn't really work for me overall because I didn't develop enough core properties, especially with property managers. What I found is that if I had one property with a property manager, if my property needed to be rented, but the guy who has 20 properties had two vacancies, typically that guy's properties would get filled. <laughs> I think I might get the, the most attention. Yeah. 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 So what I thought was so interesting about your site is you actually offer packages as well. So you can do a five pack, a four pack, a 10 pack. You have investors that are bringing that to the table as well. Yeah. Maybe you could speak a little bit about how sure. that works. So it, again, I think it's kind of the best of both worlds because you could buy a five pack or a 10 pack or you buy a single home. But the beauty of it is if you select one of the property managers who we've negotiated service level agreements with. In each market, we certify local property managers. We have our own, which is called Great Jones for retail property management, which we bought la- you know, last year, uh, which is a great alternative. But there's we're a little bit like a progressive insurance. You could use ours or you could use others and we'll show you other good property managers. So we've negotiated good pricing and service uh, standards. So if you if you pick any of those, 
we have scale uh, operations with them. So even if you own a single home, they might manage 100 homes for Roofstock clients in that market. So you're getting the attention as if you're almost a, port- a larger portfolio owner, even though you just own one of them. So, so you kind of get the benefit of scale while you're still small. And that's, I think, one of the cool things about the way we've approached the property management. So that is the one of the number or top three fears that I hear in investors and investing out of state. Who's yep. going to manage my property? Because you know everyone's well, they've heard of it. I've dealt with it. I had a property manager in Indiana. He uh, never paid me a dime. And after eight months, I went out there to find out what was going on. I kept getting the runaround. He'd actually died three months earlier. When I went to the house where I knew he resided, his kids answered the door and they slammed it in my face and they had the property rent and they'd been stealing money from me for eight months. <laughs> I mean, that again, that was one of the first deals I bought. And I, I get it. You know, this is a this is a fear that people have. And what you guys have done is you've gone and you nailed it. You, you know, if I'm a property manager and I want to have access to your your investors, the people that are buying on your site, I'm gonna take care of your people because then I would assume you'll boot them. If we will. And we've, we've rarely, but we've had to do it. And, and we also um, monitor customer ratings and, and want to make sure that, that they're just generally doing a good job and our, our people are happy. And if they're not doing a good job, we will boot them off the site and we'll replace them with another with another property manager who will. So, And because we end up giving them a lot of business, it's a good carrot. So we have a little bit of a carrot and stick approach. You know, what uh, really interests me too is that one of the um, benefits for real estate investors, especially physicians, people that are, that are bringing in high income, is that if you set yourself up the right way, you can depreciate your property, especially right now with bonus depreciation and cost segregation. You're able to wipe out a lot of income uh, that you may generate in a given year, active income, with the right type of study. At the end of 2021, last year, this past year, we helped a physician. He had sold a, a clinic and he had a million dollars in gain and he bought some properties and he was treating them as short-term rentals. And we went in and we produced, uh, almost wiped out all of his taxable income for the entire 2021 by how we were able to structure them. And what real estate investors are starting to realize is that short-term rentals own produce great cash flow, but it's different than being a real estate professional in order to capture deductions. It's so much easier. You just have to put in 100 hours, seven days or less, and then you can fully deprecate or you can, you can take advantage of cost segregation, bonus depreciation. You can offset it against your active income. And so when I was looking at your site, I mean, because people always say, well, how do I know if that property I buy is eligible for short-term rentals? You guys did it. I saw that right there, short-term rentals. So if I was an investor and I see this because I push a lot of clients, I say, you know, you want to look for short-term rentals. Are you guys going into the markets and then determining what what the what all the regulations are and then saying, yeah, this would fit in that category? Yeah, we just we just launched a short-term rental site a few weeks ago, which you saw. And that was really based on feedback from our, our customers who said, gosh, we love the long-term rental play, but we'd love to have a property that we could use, for example, right? And have some utilization component, have it rented out and fully managed for us. And and so we're constantly testing things. So uh, some people raised their hand and our product team and our ops team said, we'll stand something up. And so we launched it in kind of a lightweight way. And the response has been really, really good. So we're now leaning into it. And so what we're doing is um, our initial partner is Vacasa. They're they're the largest short-term rental manager 
they're interested because um, they could potentially continue to manage homes that otherwise the owners are looking to sell. And we're able to, to, to present it more to people who are looking at the investment characteristics of the short-term rental rather than just posting the home on the multiple listing service and people having to sort of run their own numbers and figuring out if it's a good rental or not. So there we, we can get inventory that they help us provide. We can scour the MLS and really find homes that are for sale that work really well as short-term rentals because we, we get the data and we do all the analytics and then we could say, okay, this home is vacant today, but you know, we, we run it through all the, the analytics to make sure and check all the local rigs, make sure it's, it's able to be rented on a short-term basis. And we present it that way. And then you could figure out how many days you might want to use it, how many, and we'll show you how many days we think it could be rented out otherwise, run the numbers, and then you could buy it through our site. So yeah, I think it's in the very early days of investors really getting excited about short-term rentals. But I do think over the next few years, you're going to see a lot more interest in that category. More and more professional management companies are emerging. More and more people are able to spend time remotely in nice mm-hmm. places. And you know, you might want to spend a month or two in Montana and then have it rented out on a short-term basis when you're not there. So you've got these digital nomads and all this kind of stuff. There's just so much more mobility. And why not be able to buy a property and carry it and maybe make some nice positive, some of the yields on these on these uh, short-term rentals are even higher than the long-term rentals. Um, sometimes people are, just want to use it some and just break even, and that's great, or carry cover most of their costs. Other times people are saying, I want a high yield and I'm not really going to use it. It's a pure investment. We see kind of the whole spectrum. Got it. So if I was you know, first coming to your site, what do you recommend I should do? Well, I think it depends on um, if you're a novice or you're an experienced investor. So if you're a, just getting started, I would encourage you to check out our blog and a lot of our content. We, we have uh, a podcast called The Remote Real Estate Investor that is becoming increasingly popular um, for people who want to learn about remote investing. We have you know a lot of good content on our blog um, and research on our site. So I would say come and try to start to educate yourself. Poke around. You know, it's it's the, the site is designed to be explored. So go in, start looking at properties, start looking at areas play with some assumptions think you know, think and, and sort of and, and and also think about what your goals are I mean we have obviously people um, you can engage with as well who work at the company but I think it's good to initially go kind of poke around a little bit and see what kind of properties meet your your objectives you could search based on various criteria and then don't be afraid to um, you know look at places you're unfamiliar with because I think one of the things that people often do is, as as we talked about earlier, just focus where they live, but be open-minded. Say, if I'm looking mark at markets with certain characteristics or homes with certain characteristics, put in those parameters and you'll start to see things that you might not have thought about. And we have a lot of people who have been buying homes in markets like a Birmingham, Alabama, or you know, think places like that, that they'd never really thought about. And then they started putting in, these are the things that I'm looking for in a market. And all of a sudden you see these great homes in a market you knew nothing about, 
then you could go do some research on a Birmingham or some of these other places and say, wow, that's not a bad place to to invest some capital. It's uncorrelated to where I live or you know, things like that. So really use it to explore and, and learn. And I think that's one of the great things about real estate investing. There's so many different strategies to pursue. The markets are dynamic. They're you know, all over the country. Um, you don't have the same market dynamics going on. So you can go in and learn and maybe think about if you're a more experienced investor, uh, you could use the site and use some of the more robust tools that you know a, a novice investor might not ever unlock. But if you, you really understand single family rentals, you might want to open up the detailed analytics and play with assumptions because you know what your operating expenses have been in a certain area. And we make estimates on things based on what we know about the markets, but you may have a different approach. And so you could go in there and really use all of our tools. So really what we've tried to do is design the site so it's it works for everybody. So if you want a pretty kind of lightweight experience, a lot of the things are, are kind of served up for you. But if you want to dig down deep and really control the knobs a little bit, you can do that too. And you have that great education platform as well that um, people can take part in and learn. Which I think is so yeah, cool. the Roofstock Academy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's been very popular. And people, you could sign up and you get um, proprietary access to, to experts who, who can help you kind of think through your strategy, some proprietary content, some tools and things like that. So yeah, that, that's another great avenue. Yeah, it's really good. So when you talk about markets, where do you think the market's going? <laughs> yeah, it's so fascinating. It, it, it's if we had three hours, we'd be scratching yeah. the surface, Clint. As you know, right? I, here's a very high level view mm-hmm. that I have. Last year, prices went up, you know, close to twenty percent um, nationally for homes. Over the long term, that number has been, if you look over the last fifty years, four percent. Right? It's kind of plus or minus. It's it's typically inflation plus a bit, and. So will it be 19% again this year? No, I, I don't think there's any, any case for that. I think you're seeing the, the home price appreciation rate going down slowly. You're seeing interest rates are going to be creeping up. As rates go up, it puts pressure on, on home prices. Um, so I think this year we'll see home price appreciation you know, in the single digits, not 15 or 20%. I still think it'll be higher than the long-term average, but it'll be you know less than ten percent. So I don't know what that's going to be nationally, but you know seven eight percent. If I had to guess, working down. I think it's healthy. You can't have multiple years of fifteen or twenty percent home price appreciation. Now that being said, the counter to that is supply is not keeping up with demand. We're at record low levels of inventory, and that's putting a lot of pressure on. On prices and things are trading, but I'm we're seeing some signs where inven- I think inventory is going to start creeping up. You overlay a global pandemic and all these other economic factors that are happening. It's really hard to say exactly how it plays out. I'm still long term bullish on the asset class um, for just from a macro standpoint. It's really hard to keep up with the demand for houses because it's hard to build at scale homes. It's a lot easier to build apartments. And apartments and homes are not perfect substitutes. So I, I think you'll see housing continuing to be strong. Obviously, markets vary, but that's my overall view of what's going to happen this year 
you know, absent some sort of black swan event that no one can predict, right? But but I think if things sort of progress as they look like they're progressing with the Fed, if we we you know have um, you know a relative, I think what you'll see. I don't want to call it a soft landing necessarily, but I think that's what we're going to see to some degree with housing when it comes to to um, home prices. What do you see with the uh, days on market on properties that you have on your site? The homes that sell on our site tend to sell pretty quickly. The majority sell within about two weeks of being posted, the majority of homes that trade. Um, so uh, it is a bit of a tale of two cities. So if, if it's a home that is that is priced uh, appropriately, it trades very quickly. Sometimes sellers will still choose to price 10% above the market or something because they might not be in a hurry to sell. And then they will wait to see offers and maybe they'll slowly lower their prices. So those might be on 30 or 45 or 60 days because they're not in a hurry to sell. The beauty of selling a rental property is they're still getting paid to wait, mm-hmm. right? So, so if you have a home this is one of the challenges that that say Zillow had with their home selling business is they're buying vacant homes and every day that was costing them real money. When you have a rental home that's generating cash flow, you can be patient and sell you know into the market. So and that's okay. So different sellers have different motivations. Some still want to sell quickly and some are going to be more patient, but but yeah, so we have pretty pretty high level of liquidity on the marketplace in general because it's also investors coming in and once they know what they want, especially after you've made a few offers and or maybe bought a few houses, when something hits your feed that meets your criteria, you you feel empowered to move quickly and we've got it, we make it easier and easier the more you know, once you buy that first or second property, we have a lot of people who are coming back and just there's serial buyers now adding to their portfolio, maybe get a bonus at work or you know, want to buy a home every year or two. And so really putting people on a, on a program to build out that, that portfolio over time that they're looking to, to build. And you said something key there, which I'm glad you mentioned, is that feed. I mean, the best part about it is you're going to know when the properties that you're searching for, when somebody lists one for sale, you're going to find out about it. So you'll be able yeah. to jump on that right away. That's yeah. right. You know, it's interesting. We we when we tested some of the homes on our site, as I mentioned in the short-term rental conversation, are long-term rentals that are simply homes listed on the MLS that uh, local agents who we work with as local partners identify using our tools as good rental homes, and we'll list those on our site. And so you could you could buy them. And so you know that's that's a interesting way where we we kind of bring in that local expertise. And so when we started doing that initially, we uh, launched a market and all of a sudden homes that were on the market for 60, 90 days, mm-hmm. they were sitting. This, this happened to be in Pittsburgh. This was a, a couple of years ago. We started putting those homes on Roofstock and generating offers immediately from our Roofstock community, buying rental homes in Pittsburgh. And these listing agents called us up and say, who are you? What's Roofstock and why are all these people bidding on our homes when we've never even heard of you? And it was because these were nice homes, good yield, good school district. And somebody could be sitting here in the Bay Area saying, wow, that's an amazing home for $140,000 with a 6.5% yield. Oh, let me do a little bit of research on Pittsburgh. Oh, interesting. Carnegie Mellon, all this interesting stuff going on. Bam, 
make an offer is people are a little bit more geographically kind of agnostic. And so that showed us the power of kind of unlocking some of these local markets by being able to, to bring investors to the table, look at these properties through investment lenses. And, I'll, and it's you know, much better for those home sellers as well to get people really from all over the world coming through Roofstock to be able to look at them as investments. I can imagine they probably thought you were a scam at first when they when they, they did. Yeah, they, they, they'd never heard of us. You know, I, it, it's exactly right. Who are so. these Russians trying to? <laughs> <come in here? laughs> you know, the funny thing—I I mean, not the funny thing—the the interesting thing here is I have quite a few um, real estate agents, and I was actually responding to some questions today on my YouTube channel, and I hope they picked up on what you just said that they want to expand their reach and they know there are good investment opportunities for investors. I mean, you're another, another option yeah. for them. Yeah, we have a whole uh, certified agent network and I would encourage anybody, any, any of the agents out there who are interested to reach out to us. It's on our website, but we love to partner with local agents. Um, they could represent buyers. In fact, we work with agents all the time who will come to us. And you know, we have a- agents who we partner with and any of, any of the people who buy, of their clients who buy homes through us, as long as they register them, we'll, we'll give them a referral fee. And so it's a way for agents who might have good relationships with hundreds and hundreds of clients, oftentimes wealthy clients who could be buying investment properties. They can sort of partner with us. Our, our site does all the work. And so it might be someone who lives in New York City and is buying properties in Florida through Roofstock. So this is kind of a way for them to grow their relationships with their clients using Roofstock as a tool. And also if, if agents you know, have a, a hard time getting listings, because let's say that it's a, it's a doctor who owns 15 rental homes and an agent has a relationship with that doctor, they're not going to be able to list those homes on the MLS because they're occupied. So what they can do is they could come to us and say, hey, I have an opportunity to bring this client to Roofstock and then we'll we'll do a fee sharing arrangement with them. And so that's more business that they could get. And then we're ideally suited to sell those homes with tenants in them. Right. So, so anyway, we're, we're I, so many different facets. Where are you going next? Well, we are doing a lot of interesting things. I mean, we we um, launched a fractional ownership product called Roofstock One in December in, in um I guess we launched it in November where you could actually come in and buy shares of homes in the form of a REIT, so a real estate investment trust. So to my knowledge, it's the first time in a REIT, you could come in and buy exposure to specific properties. And we, wow. we have a unique structure there. So you could either come in and buy common stock, which gets you a piece of every home in the REIT, or you could say buy a bundle of shares of, let's say you like tech growth cities, or you're looking for high yield, you could buy a bundle of shares of homes that exhibit those characteristics or say build to rent, or you're just interested in Atlanta. So we're going to continue to build out this REIT. So we launched that. It's pretty innovative, well-received. We're going to look to scale that this year. Another thing that we're working on is a blockchain strategy, a tokenization strategy. So our goal is to be able to offer homes that are tokenized. So uh, you can come in and buy them that already are owned in, you know, by the token, and there could be a loan against it, property management, insurance, everything fully bundled and taken care of for you. So the ultimate passive experience, and then and you get all the economics of owning that token, 
And then when you look to sell it, rather than having to go through all of the, the mechanics of a traditional real estate sale, you could post your token for sale and an investor could come in and buy it in a frictionless way. And so that is, it would be a major unlock. And we've got a whole team working on this. So um, it's not done yet, but but we're we're focused on it. But those are the kinds of things that we're trying to do. As the name Roofstock implies, we're trying to make real estate as easy to trade as as stocks. And it's hard because, the, as you know, the the traditional real estate infrastructure is not set up for fast transactions, transparent transactions, you know, low cost transactions. It's just been built over the decades and it's very complex. And so, and there's reasons for all these things to have existed, but our belief is now so much of this can be done digitally. And in many ways, it's, you know, it's more secure versus less. Those are some of the things that we're working on that I think are, um, you know, could be very, very powerful. And then just, you know, we get up every day and just try to, do better and listen to our customers and and offer more products and services that we think will be useful to them. Well, it's amazing right now. And I would encourage everyone that's watching this to go check it out, roofstock.com. I'll put a link down in the show notes as well. Guys, I've been on the site and I, I can't say enough about it. It is something that I think if you're looking to invest in a different market, this is your opportunity to go out there and kind of start exploring that. And uh, finding a way to actually go out there and do what you need to do. Hey, Gary, is there anything else you wanted to say in passing? You know, I just say, say it's really great to talk to you, Clint. I mean, um, I know what you're doing is really important for people because I think a lot of times having some really good advice on how to approach this, whether it's from a tax structuring or how they organize things, I think sometimes people think they could do everything on their own. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, you know, I've enjoyed, I've, I've watched a number of your, of your uh, shows, you get great guests and the service that you provide, I think is useful, really useful to people. So not, not to, you know, make a, a Clint Coons commercial here, but, you know, I think it is, I mean, it, it, because having the right s- structure is as important as picking the right properties. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a combination of those things that I think can allow people to to really build a lot of wealth over time and do so in a way that's very tax efficient, which is one of the beauties of real estate investing. As you know, um, leverage is readily available and there are a lot of great tax benefits as well. So it's hard to decipher all that as an individual. Well, when you get that blockchain on, I'm going to bring you back on and we're going to talk about that because I've got- That will be exciting. Yes, it will. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. All right. Enjoyed it, Clint. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode. 